Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, Johnny over here with Core Talk and uh you know a couple weeks ago we did a, a show um with my my good friend and brother uh Apostle Jeremy Gibson uh, on racism in the church and uh we after that we talked about scheduling a part 2 because there was just a lot of lot of just you know awesome feedback from you guys for that uh but uh little did we know that in the last uh 3 weeks everything that has transpired um has transpired and you know, without discussion and dialogue and continued conversation, um, things will not be fixed and things will not go away and they don't need to go away, but they do need to be fixed and checked. Uh, so uh, stay tuned as I bring back my good friend and bro, Apostle Jeremy Gibson. You are listening to Core Talk with Johnny Ola. In order to bring forth two things, you have to dig deep inside of something. You have to get to the core, the root of the issue. Welcome, everybody, back to Core Talk. Again, I'm your host, Johnny Ova. Uh, I'm going to be bringing on my guest, Apostle Jeremy Gibson, in a second here. just want to remind you, our guest call-in number tonight is 914-205-5647. Again, 914-205-5647. If you want to join us, have any questions about anything, uh, we would love to, to chat with you. It's going to be a bit of an open dialogue today. Um, I'm going to bring uh, Apostle Jeremy on in a second here. I just want to read his bio again. Uh, in case you missed our first show. Jeremy Gibson is the husband of his best friend, Gabriel Gibson. He is the natural father of six beautiful children. I'm catching up to you, bro. Catching up. Authors of Prayers That Break Witchcraft. He is the founder of Awakening Church. Jeremy has a heart in networking and fathering ministers around the world. He and his family reside in the beautiful Brandon, Florida. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming back on, uh, you know, to, to talk to us tonight. Jeremy, can you hear me? Hello, Apostle Jeremy. Hmm. Jeremy, can you hear me? All right, let me see what's going on with Apostle Jeremy. But, uh, man, so I am residing in New York, and, uh, you know, things have just been absolutely going crazy here in New York. Um uh, I, it's 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 really unbelievable what has transpired over the last couple of weeks, um, but uh, you know it's 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 sad. You know it's sad. It's sad to see the responses. Um, it's sad to uh, it's 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 sad to to see um, again the reactions to some of the things, the lack of understanding on some of these things, um, and it's really really painful um, to see people hurting the way they're doing on. You know, some of these videos, um, some of these videos that, that you can't even, you could see the pain in their eyes. You could see the hurt in their eyes um, of the people protesting, of the people making stands. And then at the same time, you just got all this stuff mixed together with the rioting and the looting and, uh, and all this stuff. And it's just like the, the, the people are now focused on the wrong thing. Um, the lines are being blurred. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, it's going to be some type of uh, interesting conversations we're going to have as soon as we get Apostle uh, Jeremy on here. Uh, let me just get Jeremy our call-in number here. Again, you're listening to Core Talk with Johnny Ova. Um, I see some of you are, are popping on over here. Um, we'll get to you in a, in a second here. I think Jeremy's going to try uh, calling in over here. All right. Again, the call-in number, the guest call-in number is 914-205-5647. Again, 914-205-5647. Let me just pop him on. Sorry for the technical difficulties. It's been a crazy, crazy day today. So Apostle Jeremy is going to give this a call. It's amazing because the first time he called in, we had the first show, and the audio wasn't working on his computer. The second time, I just... We were just chatting before the show was starting. We screened him. Everything was good. I bring it over to live, and now no good. And uh, so now he's going to be calling in here in just two seconds over here. So just give me one second to get Apostle Jeremy on. Uh, and uh, like I said, man, we, we just got a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. And I just want to start out also by saying this, too. For everybody listening, I'm going to be making a lot of assumptions tonight. And uh, I don't need to be offensive in my assumptions, but it's only going to be to where I – I stand and kind of how I see things. I'm really trying to learn. Apostle Jeremy, you on? I'm on. All right. What happened? Again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dude, we screened it this time. We were talking perfectly fine before and still unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Well, thank you so much for, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me tonight, man. And, uh, you know, uh, as I said in the intro, we just got, you know, unfortunately, I mean, we were gonna we were gonna follow this show up anyway, you know. Unfortunately, yeah, we got we got the same old thing going on over and over and over again. And you know, I'll be real with you, I'm getting a little, I'm getting furious. My as a white man, I'm getting furious just to see some of the responses um, to everything going on. So obviously, if you've been under a rock, um, George Floyd was murdered by a police officer uh, in uh, in Minnesota. Um, three people were watching this incident take place while, but eventually he was arrested. The other three weren't until recently charged with third degree murder. Then they upped that to second degree murder and arrested the other, the other three witnesses. One, I believe was an Asian man. The other one was an African-American, a white man, and then another white man. So I think, I think that was the ethnicity here, but Jeremy, when George Floyd, when this happened, what, again, we started this last time with Ahmaud Arbery. What, what, I mean, what went through your head when you saw this thing take place? I think a, uh, I think I just released the the emotions that I felt at the time, and that was a deep sigh. Um, at first, it was a deep sigh of I can't believe this is happening again, to anger but not so much anger to where it was I wanted to become violent, but anger in the sense that enough is enough, Right. that we have to make a difference. Change has to come. And so, you know, you know, it was, it was really, really a, a myriad of emotions because I, you know, on top of, on top of what I was feeling, I also had to, uh, because we live in such a great country, of people with so many different opinions. I had to also understand that I have to try to defend uh, the problem 
Am I defend? I mean, defend the the issue at hand that's happening to those of us who are uh, uh, you know African Americans, and then try to uh, persuade uh, everyone in society that why, why this is wrong. But then right. I realize that there are more there are more people who are just as upset. Um, who are of a diff- different ethnicity as that I am um, that really, really warmed my heart. So when this first happened, I felt outraged that for nine minutes, eight minutes, 30 seconds, it doesn't matter, nine minutes, that this guy was relaxed with his knee on George's neck, looking comfortable right. with his hands in his pocket. Right. Like, you know, the audacity of such an individual who took an oath to protect lives. There was no protection in that act. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It was, it's, I mean, George Floyd paying taxes, paying the salary or part of the salary of the man who ended up taking his life. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating, man. And I, I, as a white man, I can't even imagine um, what it's like on the other, on the other side here. I, I, I would say kind of a comment that you made though, it has to be really kind of cool in the sense that seeing all the different, you know, people from all over the world. I mean, dude, they're, they're marching and protesting in the United Nations and France and, uh, you know, literally across the world um, saying that Black Lives Matter too, man, and, and, and white, white athletes and white, um, some white people are just really stepping up and really doing the right thing here. And, um, you know, in regards to the voice, but I think what we really need to get into, man, is this, is the blur that's taking place right now, because I mean, there's so much there. Like, it, it, you know, you sit back and you think about it, Jeremy, it's like, I mean, do we have white versus, is this white versus black? Is this people versus the police? Is this a uh, Democrat versus Republican? It seems like everybody's trying to right. like feast and get their own from this, for, like using this thing for personal gain. Well, it's election season. So, you know, the elections are right around the corner. We always see this type of propaganda spring, uh, spring up depending on what, you know, party you, you are, you know, uh, you know voting for, uh, you know, whatever you're affiliated with. Um, but we see this every election year. There's always some type of race bait. There's always some type of uh, political propaganda that takes place. Now, in this particular instance, I don't think that was the case with George Floyd. But I believe that it's being used in regards to that because we see uh, we see both sides of the coin or both sides of the affiliations, you know, taken to the taken to the you know the uh, the media to try to you know create a narrative and that can either right. be for the for the uh, for the defense or against it. So it just really depends on your perspective and your lens in which you're viewing it. But but you know even at the just a base level, this is an issue that needs to be addressed. And I'm glad that we're ha- actually having this opportunity to talk about it tonight, because I right. think one of the things we have to do is we have to have intelligent conversations with people who know how to come to the table and reason and really talk about what's going on on both sides. You know, as an African-American man, you know, I have to, you know, I, I'm, I live in two worlds, you know, just like you, you know, we, we have this ethnicity that we're born into. Uh, uh, however, we're also a part of a, a new, a, a new, a new world, a new jurisdiction. We're part of a, a kingdom that knows right. no, knows no ethnicity, that knows no color. That you know, uh, Galatians three. You know, there's no neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor slave. So, so in Christ, we have no 
there is no mixture. There is no different people. There's one body. However, right. though I'm connected and, and though I'm in Christ, I'm also in this skin color. So, so it, it, it's a tough situation to where you you wanna you wanna walk a fine line between justice and justification. Mm. Right? Mm. Do, do I justify? Do I justify my rage and my anger, uh, or 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 you know uh, based on what has been happening? Or do I walk in, you know, justice, which is not even about my ethnicity. It's about injustice as a whole. So whether it was a woman, right. whether it was a man, whether it is my Latino brothers and sisters, whether it is a Caucasian, if it was a black officer that sat on the neck of a Caucasian man, you know, uh, uh, you know will the outrage still be the same? And I have to say, yes, it is, because all life matters. And, and though right. all life matters, we're not talking about all life at this present moment. We're talking about black lives. And so, right. and so the, 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 thin, the, thin, the thin line is knowing where to separate, you know, it. And this leads me to this point that I'm, 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 I am primed to talk about, racism in the church. Because during this, during this uh, uh, um, issue, we see a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ really showing how they feel about right. the issue of racism and justice. I mean, a line is being drawn in the sand, Johnny. Right. I mean, do you think that there are people that, um, you know what, I, I think we'll get to that. I was going to ask you a question. I want to start with this, though, because, okay. you know, I ha- there are a lot of white people that are listening right now. And, again, I am sorry to section these off as black, white, Latino, all that stuff, but we are dealing with a race issue. So I'm going to be very specific here. I do not mean to be offensive in any type of way. Um Explain to the people, Jerry, when I say, okay, what needs to change? You know, you have a, a white cop who killed a black, a black man. You know, um, to me personally, it's obvious there was racial. Uh, I, I felt that from the second it happened. And then when you look at the guy's history, it's very easy to find out what, what, what he was doing. You know, but what needs to, when we say things need to change, what are we specifically talking about here? And how are we able to separate, you know, like every time a white guy happens to kill a black guy or vice versa, a black man killing a white person. Is it always race uh, emotive? How we separate that? What is it that needs to change to, 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 to that when, when these people are marching and protesting, putting pressure on people? So what specifically needs to change? Well, you know, Johnny, I don't have all the answers. So I want to make sure I'm clear on that for all of our listeners. I am not the uh, the go-to person for everything that's African American or Caucasian or race in this in this in this uh, society, but I do have my own op- opinion and perspective in which I'll sure. I'll share. Um, um, I, I think first of all, dealing with the dealing with the police um, um, situation, I think from the just base level accountability. I think across the board, if we set laws in place, we need to hold every person to the laws we establish. No one is above the law. But but so, but sometimes right. it seems as if, and I say seems as if because I don't want to make a blanket statement. It seems as if police officers are not held to the high to the high standards that citizens are held to. Uh, just right. just think about it like this. We ha- we have people that that are trained to remain calm uh, in situations holding a gun at civilians who are not trained to remain calm while a gun is being pointed at them. Right. 
Right. So, so, so you, so, so you're telling me to be calm, to stop resisting what I've not been trained how to be calm while you're holding a gun at me and trying to take me, trying to, try to, trying to harm me. So I don't know how to be calm. You've been trained for eight months, sir, on how to deal with these situations. So, 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 so I think there needs to be some training, some cultural sensitivity training that needs to take place. This is how, if you're, if you're going to be, if you're going to be inside of a urban community setting, this is how you respond to these individuals. If you're going to be in a, a you know, in, in a suburban community setting, this is how you respond to them. And, and we need to really have that across the board, so we know how to deal with each ethnic group specifically. You know, because right. I have a multicultural church and. And also because I lived in a community where I actually, you know, had a relationship with pretty much a lot of different ethnic groups, I've really come to understand each one specifically, and I know how to respond to each one. I know for a fact that there are certain ethnic groups who are more laid back and would like to have a conversation more than others. And it's not really about the group. It's really about the personality type. Right. Uh, uh, So I think we need to have a cultural sensitivity training. Uh, in regards to murder, murder is murder. I don't care if it's I don't care who who committed the crime. Murder is murder, and, and, right. and, and those individuals need to be held to the highest end of the law. The law is the law. We're not gonna we cannot water it down to you know black versus white, brown versus uh, uh, tan. Forget all that. Law is law. If you commit the crime, you must do the time, and that's what we just need to get to that. Uh, uh, as far as the racial uh, issue in America. I think I think the starting point is what is happening now. Open, candid conversation of understanding. We can break it down right. to just we need to love everybody. But love is complex. Love is not an emotion. Love is an action. Right. Love right. love is most displayed when there is difference of opinion. Love is best if two parties are disagreeing. Can we still have community, common unity in the midst of our disagreement. If we can disagree and still have community, a common unity of our disagreement, then we are stepping into uh, stepping into what love actually looks like. I hear this all the time. We just need to love everybody. But love doesn't right. make sense when you have anger in your heart and you have right. a disagreement with me that you're not willing to reason, have a candid conversation, and really, and really come to the table and reason, like God said. Come, let us reason together, right. says the Lord. And so, so from my perspective, I think those are just, just two base scenarios that, that are situations that we really need to build from. Awesome, awesome. You're listening to more talk with Johnny Ova and Jeremy Gibson. Our guest call number is 914-205-5647. You want to jump on and talk? I see we have a couple callers here. I will get to them in, in just a couple seconds here, but uh, I, I do want to, you know, when I think about what needs to change, I think of that term we hear it a lot now is the systemic change, that the system itself needs to change and adapt. I think any system that's put in place that refuses to kind of adapt or change during time um, is a um, is 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 destined to fail because if you can't change as time changes and as people change, as new people come into your organization, quote unquote, or out, I'm using the church as an example here. You know, as the leader of Sound of Heaven, um, I know that I don't experience nearly a quarter of what some of my members experience, whether they're racial things, whether they're single things, whether they're Latina things, whether they're black things. You know, I, I don't know, as for myself, the way I look at things, Jeremy, is, 
you know, I want to know where they're coming from. I want to know why it takes people a, warm, a long time to warm up. And it could be church hurt. It could be a racial thing that, that's caused hurting to them. And I, I think, like you said, dialogue is the first thing. But I think the dialogue around a common agreement. So, for example, if we're sitting at the table, we at least have to agree that racism is wrong. Right. We need to end racism in this country and at least start from there, because if people don't even believe that racism is real and that that is a, a, something that's wrong, they don't deserve a seat at the table, to be quite honest with you. But there, there yeah. is racism is wrong. There is a, a, a part of our community. We say when I say the term America, this is not my country. Your, this is our country. This is black and white and every other ethnic background there. And there is a culture in our community, just like if there was a person in your church that was experiencing some type of hurt or, or some type of racism or hatred being thrown amongst them for whatever reason it is, and here it is because of the color of their skin, how do we not, as a country, sit here and address these issues, especially in law enforcement, where, listen, and I, I want to say this perfectly clear, I love our police force, I respect our police force, I know that there are many amazing cops. That doesn't negate the fact that there are some really, really bad ones. Um, but, uh, you know, in order to maintain the highest quality of something like law enforcement, we have to continually be bringing education on the communities that they are working in, on the people that they work with, and honestly, a history lesson on the different cultures and communities so we have a better understanding of where people are coming from. I agree. I agree. Awesome. Awesome. All right, I'm going to bring on our first caller, Jeremy. Uh, number ending in 4756. 4756. You're live with, with Johnny and Jeremy. Go ahead. Hey, greetings. I was just listening to your interesting conversation. And what I want to contribute regarding the situation, and I, I don't see a lot of people. I've been watching the three major cable news networks for the, for the way each station uh, developed their stories, the contracted experts and journalists, et cetera. And, and, and they're interviewing with people in the public. Uh, and what I find lacking is a uh, historical context to what we're seeing now. It's not new at all. I think I'm older than you two guys here, but the killing of blacks by police is nothing new. We call this extrajudicial killings. And in every community in America where you have a significant or not so significant black population, there are stories. Most black families have stories of a loved one who was killed by the police. And the issue here is in the police culture, police officers feel free to commit these acts of abuse, violence, and murder because they know no other cop will rat them out. If you're a police right. officer that rats another police officer that's frowned upon and you get run out of the police departments, that right, is the right. police Black culture that's not addressed. Number right. two. I was hold on one sec, and I'm going to say right that goes for black or white because the question I get is well there was a there was an African American there watching this thing why wouldn't that guy just stop the uh, uh, this officer from killing George Floyd but it's, it goes back to exactly you know, what you just said a, a police officer yeah yep uh, yeah he was uh, one black which okay well that's going to my next point in the police departments throughout America police departments 
have always been a job for white guys coming out of high school or out the military or who wasn't going to do anything else. It becomes a brotherhood. You have, for example, an organization called the Emerald Society that police officers belong to. Only white police officers belong to that organization, even to this day. And black police officers and the black rank and the black police chiefs are intimidated by this brotherhood that exists in police departments. And the police unions, the Fraternal Order Police, which is one of the most powerful unions in the country, that these officers belong to, the, the police chiefs, et cetera, are intimidated by them. In the police departments, if you remember watching footage of the peaceful civil rights protests, it was the, it was the local sheriffs and police officers that beat the black protesters or right. sat on the side while their cousins and their, their sisters or whatever attacked the people. Now, it is the neo-Nazi skinhead Aryan culture throughout America that a lot of white youth are influenced by that are in the police departments. You've read several stories over the last few years of police officers posting things on their Facebook about blacks who were killed by the police, either supporting the police who did it, either uh, calling the ones who were killed thugs. It is, it is rampant and deep. And those things have not been mentioned at all. Police officers hugging black people, doing line dances with them, that's an insult. Mm -hmm. You see, that's a, that's a paternalistic approach as if black people are children, and all we have to do is calm them down, giving them a sucker or something, and then we're going to go right back to beat them upside the head tomorrow. And right. this is part of the culture of policing in America, but let me be fair, it is the culture of policing worldwide, particularly where blacks live. In London, blacks are beat up by the police. In Paris, blacks are beat up by the police. In Australia, the black aboriginals beat up by that's why they're protesting all over the world because it resonates and it hits home. Right. Right, right. All interesting uh all interesting points. Very, very interesting. Now let me ask you now I would like to, I'm going to leave you on for this question. Um, and Jeremy, please, please answer um, as well too. So a, a lot of the kickback uh, that, that you hear sometimes is, well, we'll look at the statistics. There's more white people killed by police officers than, than, uh, uh, than black people. So, you know, obviously one, I read an interesting article that if, obviously if you take the numbers, there's more white people. So if you leverage the numbers out, the black, the black person is three times more likely to get murdered than a, than a white person. So what do you, what is your kickback on, on, on the statistics that, that, that show that? You just that to me? Yeah, to you. Yep. Okay. Well, I want to say this, <clears throat> the relationship of the police to white people is different than the relationship of the police to black people. So even though you may have whites who are killed by the police, the whites still see the police as the first-line defense of them against the other. For example, right. the white person calling, calling 911 on a black person for doing nothing. Now, that's been going on, but we're getting it all on social media now daily, right? Mm -hmm. the, the most well-known case recently is the guy walking in Central Park, bird-watching, and the lady was in a section of the park where she's supposed to have the dog on a leash. When he told her to put the dog on the leash, she became enraged 
And then she began to go into her script and her acting mode because she knew if she called the police what she did and tell the police she was, in essence, being threatened by a black man, she knew what was going to happen in that case. She knew that the police was going to come and initiate uh, interaction with the black guy, and it wasn't going to go well for the black guy. She even, told, she even pretty much said it that way. I'm going to tell my African man is threatening me. This is done every day all throughout the country because whites know the police are, in essence, in essence, there to protect them. As, and, but, but the black people, it's a, it's a two-way street. We got to call the police because we may have Johnny next door acting up. But then sometime when the police come, instead of dealing with Johnny, they may go into the wrong house and shoot me down. Right. You know, assuming I'm Johnny, or, 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 or the attitude is all of us are Johnny when they come in. When they drive in, all of us are Johnny. Right. You see? And so that's what I would say to that statistic there. And when you get a chance to come back to me, I want to talk about the church, the African-American okay. church, when you get a chance to come back to me. Sure. No problem. Jeremy, you want to want to – Make any comments on that? No, um, I, I think I think what uh, what he's saying is um, is true. You know, we we have to look at it from uh, um, a a really a, a systemic issue. I know there are a lot of people that are posting that uh, uh, our Caucasian brother uh, counterparts are being uh, uh, killed just as much. But the truth of the matter is, the the statistics are not really accurate because you know honestly. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we have a video for every murder that takes place. And the only reason why we know about the ones that have recently take, taken place and the only reason why we're getting justice for it is because it was video recorded. Let's look at what happened right. to the individual in Dallas, Texas, just last year who was shot in his own home by, by, uh, uh, by a police officer who went into the wrong apartment. There's no, there's, there was no justice for that. She got off. Why is that? There was nobody recording it. We couldn't see uh, any of it, and it's really based on her word alone. And it was really there, there really were not a lot of a lot of uh, uh, evidence, you know, that we have to really go on. So, so we're more likely to get a conviction with uh, with um, with these two cases because the way it went, because there were actual you know video footage of it than we would the other one. So I, I feel like we're in a time now to where it's ripe for uh, a change. And I think I think we have to use wisdom in how you know we approach it, especially millennials, man. Uh, we're so we're so uh, uh, overwhelmed by emotion to see change occur that that the biggest part of change happening is through our right to vote and right. through our right to push new legislation and to remove people from offices and seats. That don't belong. We have, I, I believe, this generation has a lot of power to shift this uh, this culture if we use it correctly. Right, right. All right. Uh, I know you want to make a comment uh, about the racism in the church. Quickly, go go ahead and, and make your comment. No, what I wanted to say is um, when the topic about the church, the Christian church in the United States being divided, there's this perception that. Uh, you have a black church and a white church because blacks were not allowed to go into the white churches. That is not true. You have a black church, the concept of a black church. Let me define that. The black church traditionally are those black created 
Protestant denominations. The African the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the AME Zion, the African American Episcopal Church Zion, the Church of God in Christ, the National Baptist Convention, and the two conventions that split from that, that make up what we call the black church. They were established by black people. They were established by black people because when black people during enslavement went to church with white people, because the whites wanted the blacks to go to church with them to keep an eye on them. Okay. The whites wanted to keep an eye on the blacks. The blacks did not want to be treated like children. And I'm researching this. I, there's so many documents all throughout the States where the whites in the churches were complaining that the blacks were organizing churches within their church. Black people want to be together so they could talk about how to end slavery, how they could help each other escape from slavery. And the theology, the way they use theology was not the same way the white Christians use theology because the white Christian used theology to blacks to make them accept their enslavement. But the right. black people used theology to preach against enslavement and saw themselves like the children of Israel in Egypt, bonded by Pharaoh. Right. And so when we had spirituals and songs, the, the slave masters did not like that at all. And so they complained because blacks kept trying to have their churches. And then when they made it illegal for blacks to, to congregate together, blacks used to go out in the woods and the forest, and the swamps to pray. And they got beaten for praying. You know why? They were praying for freedom. Slave right. master didn't want them to pray, pray for freedom. So you have a black church because it became a place to resist, to resist the enslavement and mistreatment of blacks. Now, let me say this. If you did not have a black church in the United States, if the blacks kept going to church with the whites, you would have not had a civil rights movement. We would, we would be back wow. in segregation today because you would not have had that structure because from the black churches came the black colleges and universities, came the black benevolent societies that buried black people, the fraternities and sororities. We had a de facto nation in this country in the network with each other. So when the civil rights movement took place, we had all the resources to help each other right there. Right. Well, wow, thank you so much for, for all that information. That was, man, that was, that was, that was, that was interesting. Jeremy, you have any comments on that? What he was saying? <laughs> no, actually, I think, I think what he said was spot on. I don't, I don't have any re- remarks to that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know what it is though? I think, and, and listen, again, I'm, I'm, for those who are listening, I'm a white man. Um, this is it's like some of this stuff I did know other stuff that I'm hearing about for the last couple of weeks. I'm learning for the very first time. Did, did I know racism exists in this country? Of course I did. Um, you know, I have fought um, against racism to some of the white brethren that I quote unquote ministered with um, to the extent of he, he brought something up that, that, you know, I hear all the time, um, uh, a lot is that the Bible's a white man's book and how the white man uses the Bible to enslave you. I don't think a lot of white people really uh, understand the depth of the truth of that. 
Um, because I have people who are newly saved at our church, and I have, uh, I have white guys, white women. When I bring this stuff up to them, they're going to be like, really? Like they can't even believe that, that something like that would go on, which is I think why education is a really also, it's also a really vital important message in this. You know, uh, uh, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Hey, so, you know, in regards to that statement, the Bible being a white man's book, I think, you know, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, feel that way because of how it was used during the time of slavery up until here recently to control, and even now, it's being used right. to control, um, you know, the, the emotions, the responses, uh, uh, um, dictate how people actually uh, live their life. And so for, for many for many of those who were in slavery, the, uh, you know, you got this guy who is saying that he fears God, he's a God-fearing Christian, but he's whipping me. He's a God-fearing right. Christian, but he's, but he's, but he's, but he's you know, tarring and feathering me uh, or feathering right. my family in front of me, um, um, ripping me apart from my family, you know, uh, uh, specifically attacking the male within the family line to show dominance so that the women can act to, can line up and that the children can be obedient. So let me attack the, the, the male uh, because he's a dominant one. If I can break the dominant one, then I can, then I can, uh, I can rule in the, I can rule the family, the right. book, as they would call it. So, 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 and, and then using the Bible as a way to run this emotional, manipulative, domineering game to bring everyone under the lash and into fear because, because you know, God made a man in his image. And now when he said man, he wasn't talking about a black man. He was talking about a white man at that time. God made that man in his image, and we were not made in God's image. And that was the mindset that was wow, during that time. Uh, so, 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 and that's just a small, you know, that's a microcosm of really what was going on. So, so just, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, and when you see a lot of people saying that's the white man's book, it's based on that theory. It's based on that time, that truth. Uh, um, uh, and quite frankly, I said it before and I said it again, the Bible's not a white man's book. It's a Jewish man's book. You know, uh, it, was written by, it was written by Jewish right. men for Jewish people. And then later on, it, it, was, it was given to all of us uh, during uh, you know after after um, you know after you know uh, Peter went to Cornelius' house, and we know the story of how the Gentiles were then engrafted in, and th- so it became a book for all of us. But originally, it was for none of us. Right. 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 You know, man. I, even hearing you say th- some of those yeah. things, I just, I, Jeremy, I cringe. I cringe. They even like, oh my goodness, that this was even actually taught from. The pulpit. I'm going to bring on four two three six. The lovely Patricia. Patricia, welcome to Core Talk with Johnny and Jeremy. Hi. Um, it, you know what? My heart is so broken. You know, I, I'm glad that that we're having these conversations. You know, listening to it, I just I'm sitting here saying to myself, "You can't cry because you need to to make your point." And Today I watched Governor Cuomo uh, do his briefing. I watch every day. I've, I've been so proud of him. I even sent him a letter yesterday. Um, I faxed him a letter to tell him how proud I am of him and how um, watching him has made me hopeful 
and, um, you know, just asked him if he could help with the police. Just the next day, I watch him do a briefing, and he makes this comment. Uh, some One of the reporters asked him about uh, the police and the brutality, and they told him that they had taken a battalion and bludgeoned someone, a peaceful protester. And, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know that that's true, but I know about the article that I read in the Huffington Post the day before, which spoke to such issues. And uh, he made the comment that he didn't believe that a police officer would do such a thing. If you go back and listen to it, you can see what he said. He said he didn't believe that a police officer would do such a thing, and um, it's unheard of, and he could not believe how disrespectful everyone was being to the police. Um, in his day, you were not disrespectful to the police, and the disrespect he's seen is un- is unacceptable. As I said, me and my daughter have watched him every day. She's even called him Papa Cuomo. And we sat today and we just looked at each other because we listened to the prosecutor. We listened to the person who who we thought understood, but he speaks to the systemic racism in our country. At this point, Governor Cuomo, how could you say that you don't believe that a police officer would take a battalion unprovoked and and beat a protester? Where are you every evening? And that's the biggest part of the problem. He speaks to this institution. The other thing is, I just want to say is, I have watched the church in this issue. And, and, you know, we had a lovely uh, meeting at the church the other day, and, I, and again, I left hopeful. You know, we, uh, we got a chance. We sat around white and black and Spanish, and we were able to talk. And, you know, I, I drove home, and I was like, Lord, you know, this thing is hopeful because those that don't understand, maybe they'll begin to understand. Those that just went about their lives like, you know, you know, whatever, maybe he did. You know, many people look at a killing like that and say, well, maybe he did something. And they'll justify what the person did. You know, many people will wait till the evidence comes out to say that he wasn't, um, he didn't do this, he didn't do that, he didn't have a record, he didn't have all these other things, which is sad. Because I don't think you need to train police officers to be human. But the thing that's bothering me the most is is the church. I am looking at the church, and I'm looking at even some of my white friends in the church. And the things that I'm I'm hearing them say... When I tell you this thing has broken my heart, and you don't want to sound like the angry black woman, you know, because that's what happens. When you start um, speaking out, then you're the angry black woman or you're the hateful person or the unforgiving person, but it's not true. It's just that you want justice. So um, I would like right. for us to talk about, you know, I, I saw the thing that T.D. Jakes did with some of the, the pastors, and, and I'm just tired of seeing grown men cry through this thing, but it was good to see a white man cry. And to repent over the fact that he has not addressed this issue in his church because he felt like his father's people were going to leave him. Because that's the truth of the matter. But I got to tell right. you, the response for the, from the church is so hurtful. So how do we move forward as a people from this moment when we're looking at our white brothers and sisters who don't want to look, who don't want to be uncomfortable, who don't want to speak out because they don't want to be ostracized or they, they, or they just don't want to talk about it or they don't care about it. How do, we, how do black people move forward from this moment? That's my question. In the church. Not right. The church, in the right. Church. 
Well, I think, Trish, the first thing that, that, that is being exposed right now are people who thought were such powerful men and women of God, quote-unquote, I use that as a real lax term, are really not who they say they are um, to begin with. And I think that's really shocking some people. I've been an advocate for, I mean, I can't even tell you how long that the, the white leaders of the church do not stand for these types of issues at all whatsoever. I mean, even what you would deem a layup like this, where is the church as a whole? period, um, yeah. you know, standing up, walking. And I'll tell you from the white perspective here, it's Jeremy, you too, to understand is that the way that, and the media does nobody no favors at all whatsoever. Trish, and Jeremy, let me explain to you some of the things that are going on in Long Island. I'll give you an example. A couple nights ago, a couple days ago, there was a really, really well put together peaceful protest outside East on Long Island, Right. And uh, it was okay. done really well. A lot, of, a lot of young people there. They were just walking up and down. Cars were, like, clunking their horns at them. They were giving them, like, money and stuff. It was just really – it was really good to see all that support. Within a couple hours, all this stuff starts spreading around that the 7th Precinct on Long Island is on fire, okay, and that the, the protesters started to riot. And so they literally start sharing pictures, which looks like it's a place east, uh, Jeremy, called the William Floyd Parkway. It looks like the William Floyd Parkway okay. pulling off into 7th Precinct, and you see all these rioters, these fires in the air, all these things lit up, and this is now getting shared thousands of times. It's up to thousands. So I see this. I'm stunned. I've had even, even had people in my church, you hear what's going on out east? I'm like, no, what's going on? Riots everywhere. People throwing bricks on the Sacramento's Parkway. I'm like, get out of here. From where? And they're like, they're explaining me from the pro. I'm like, that thing was peaceful all day today. How did that turn violent? And I'm looking at all the pictures. What happened from this is now – a bunch of just typical white middle-aged men see this and go, oh, no, not in my house. And they go to the, to the street, make a line to block them with weapons now, okay? And so now you got all these white guys with weapons about to meet all the black protesters, quote-unquote, that are causing all this ruckus. And then truth be told, police department has to come out making a comment. There wasn't, they went all over there to line up. There wasn't even people protesting anymore. All those pictures were pictures like random pictures from like Philadelphia when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. They even actually showed on MSNBC video of the movie World War Z as an opening role to the riots going on in New York City. I mean, you, you can't make it up. And so people are responding to things that one aren't true and one they don't know. And right. Chris, I think that's a lot of the, the problem that's going on is that, you know, even over here by me, there was a, a peaceful protest in East Islip, and I was, I was coming home from the hospital yesterday, and I went to go take, you know, my driving my kids through there, and there's lined up on each side of Main Street, and then on the outskirts, as I'm getting past them, I see all these groups of white guys just staring at them, sitting on the back of a pickup truck. They, they were doing nothing wrong, but the way that the media and social media is portraying these things, it, it, it makes it like the... It makes it to the white person, quote unquote, like the black protesters are like the rioters that are being shown everywhere. Meanwhile, the truth of the matter is most of these rioters are white. They are um, they're they're not with the protesters. They're just looting. I mean, all this crazy is going on. And that's where, Tris, I feel like the big problem is, is that people are becoming more closed minded now because of these things. And we're missing the point of why this has even taken place to begin with in the first place. But to answer your question in regards to the church, the church is in a sifting process, in my opinion, Trish. And 
Okay. There are many who are standing up and speaking. You just don't know their names yet. And the ones that you do know their names are being real quiet because, and I've, I've been saying this for a while, and I, I don't want to be that guy that's attacking the church because I love the church of Jesus Christ. But a lot of this stuff, it's not the church, Trish. And they're more interested in their money and their offerings than the lives of people fighting for the lives yeah. of people. I have many people tell me things like even some of the stuff I teach regards to eschatology, different things like that. I'll, I believe everything you believe, but I'll never preach what you pre- preach. And I think, well, why? And the answer is they don't want to lose their base because they don't want to lose their money. This is their cash cow. So they won't speak against it, but they won't speak for it. They'll just take the coward approach and let it. They'll give it to the Lord. They'll use all those terms. I'm taking this to my prayer closet. This is not a battle that, that we can't win in the flesh. And those answers are quite pathetic, to be quite honest with you. I, I agree with you. I, it, it's unfortunate how much money, the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. And it's unfortunate that it's even guiding our church. Absolutely. I mean, it shouldn't, you know, it's unfortunate. It shouldn't be a surprise. But just the example you brought up, Trish, and Jeremy, just some of the things that we were talking about on, like, let's get foundations to work with here to bring systemic change here. Like, I have the same questions. Mm-hmm. Just like, what is the law enforcement doing? What is the police doing? Like, can we be transparent about that? Can somebody make a statement of, all right, how are we fixing this? Because if Cuomo didn't say what he said or any other leader was going, all right, guys, we know this is a problem. This is repeated. This can't take place. We're holding this person accountable. We're bringing this type of training in. This is our game plan moving forward, whatever it may be. Just the fact that I think that they're thinking about it, that they're it's an issue, that they're talking about it, that they're coming up with game plans, I think would go a long, long way in the grand scheme of things. And that goes for the church, too. Okay. I agree. Um, we go keep praying because the Bible says we win. You know, a lot of people don't want to go back there, but it does say that we win at the end. So we just have to keep our faith even through this. If I didn't have my faith in God, I can't even explain it. Right. I'm back to being nervous when my children leave the home again, and I have to remember yeah, this Lord. Amen. But listen, I think this has some serious uh, – I think the momentum that's coming from this thing is, is beyond anything that I've seen in my lifetime anyways. To me, this is not yeah, just a normal, you, you know, this is just a normal, you know, thing where people, I mean, this is like the, the, the country is upside down right now. And I think this has the potential to be something that changes forever. And you know that there's a lot, you could look all throughout history when white and black leaders come together to fight against racism. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of those leaders, you know, they, they have not lived, but the, the damage that that does to the kingdom of the enemy, to this racist demon, for lack of a better term, is very dangerous when white and black unite for the common good of all mankind, that all men and women were created equal in the eyes of God. Amen. Amen. If I could just say this one last thing. Sure. Um, I'm, sure. Just, I'm just so proud. I watch these, what I call kids, because at my age they're kids. When I watch <laughs> these kids um, uh, protest every evening, and you know, I just really feel bad. I feel like if my generation had done what they were supposed to do, that they wouldn't have to be out there putting their lives on the line. If we hadn't become complacent, if the church hadn't become a, a place of my car, my home, my, you know, my, how much I can get, you know, the, the prosperity gospel kind of seeped in there. And even as people of color, if we hadn't become so complacent and tried to assimilate in instead of, holding firm and holding strong to make sure we left something 
for for our children, that our children that we didn't receive, that we moved forward. So we're the reason I believe that they're out there now having to protest. But I just want to say how proud I am to see children of different race, you know, one race, sorry, of different cultures out there fighting um, for justice. I'm just, I think that that's something that we need to look at, too. I'm so proud of these these children, and we need to do what we can do when this is over to help them get through this. Yeah, Trish, and East Islip over here, the rally that was going on that I drove past, there was probably 500 people out. I would say 95% of them were white. Yeah. All yeah. holding up signs, Black Lives Matter, yeah. Black Lives Matter, to all, all of it. So it's really an awesome thing to uh, to, to, to see. So, um, you know, again, Jeremy, I think, like I said, I think this is a movement come from this. And, you know, it's interesting to see that people – you know, again, let's agree. Racism is evil. Say it with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, say it with me, because I right. think the black co- I've I've come on the air and apologized to my black brothers and sisters. But I mean, what what is that? This is not. You know, I I tell my kids all the time when they keep doing the same things over and over again. They say they're sorry. I go, listen, sorry doesn't fix the lamp. Um, my dad always used to tell me right. that. You know, I understand you're sorry and I appreciate you're sorry, but you got to stop doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to stop. It doesn't fix anything unless you change the actions and behaviors. That uh, that are out there, right? Yeah, I, I think I think sorry is not enough. I mean, you know, uh, um, sorry not followed up with action gives gives the potential for repeated uh, repeated offense. So you know, if you if you say I'm sorry, but you don't follow it up with some type of recourse, you know, some type of action to uh, to, to 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 validate what sorry looked like to you, then what you're going to end up doing. Is you want to end up going back into what you what you say you were sorry about to begin with, right. and so right. uh, I think I think the old saying action speaks louder than words. I thank you yep. for your apology, but what are you going to do to help change change the situation and help the right. narrative? Because the narrative has been that narrative has been broadcasted, you know, for for years. The narrative has been broadcasted. You know, um, um, it, it's really sad. I even have to. You know, there's certain shows or things I won't watch because of the narrative behind it, and it's right. uh, it's degrading. So, you know, uh, I'm excited about the times we're living in. You know, to just to uh, just to piggyback on what you said earlier, I think we're at a time to where we're going to see great change. The revolution is being televised. I know they said many years ago it would not be, but right now we're seeing it being televised. Yep. When there are more, when there is just as much. Uh, uh, outrage and cry for justice from the Caucasian community and Hispanic community, uh, 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 pretty much, you know, than there is from any minority or any ethnic group across the nation. So to me, that is that is significant change. Because if this would have happened 15 years ago, we probably would not have seen this much of an outcry. Uh, uh, right. But but we're seeing an outcry for people that don't even look like me. And to me, that's encouraging. It says we're heading in the right direction. But what we cannot do is because I, I, I know this, I know, I know the propaganda, I know the system is that, you know, uh, 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 trying to publicize the downfall of, of someone uh, of a minority. They're trying to say, see, see, I told you, see, I told you, you know, I knew they were like this and, and try to use that as a way to reel everyone back in from their stance. Or, or, you know, what do we do 60 days from now? Will we forget that we were just protesting in the streets? 
Like, like what right. type of legislation? What type of legislation goes into play? So that's kind of you know where I'm at. Yeah, and they can't stop. They, uh, the protesting cannot stop. The voices cannot stop until enough pressure is put on the people that can make the changes systemically to put the checks and balances in to make sure that this is over once and for all and hold people accountable and expose these racists that are still um, – that they're still moving in, in, in these types of positions to, to either be gone or just expose them to be called out. Yeah. I agree. You know, so uh, so tell, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on the looting and the rioting and all that stuff that's going on? Um, I, I think I think majority of the looting and the rioting, well, the looting uh, and the rioting is really really not um, uh, the people that's protesting. I think majority of it is infiltrators uh, that's infiltrated the groups um, and trying to distract the positive message behind the protest. To, right. to bring to make people feel as if you know that uh, that uh, 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 there is no change among the community. Uh, there were savages. Look at us looting, rioting, fighting, dishonoring his life. And really, that's not the case. And the majority of the majority of the protesters are not even looting. They're actually trying to stop the people that's looting right. and rioting. Right, right. Seeing the bricks being placed in strategic locations. You see that over here. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I, I saw the guy who walked up to AutoZone as well, and broke and smashed the windows out of the out of the AutoZone. Like, really, yeah. dude? Yeah, yeah, it's dude. It, so, it, so it, these, it, and it... No, go ahead. It's it's part of the agenda. It's part of the narrative. It's it's part of the you know, creating the narrative that 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 black that 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 you know black people are angry. They're violent. They're destructive. Uh, and all of the other stuff, which is which is not true, you know. Like I said before, every ethnic group in the world has done something cringeworthy, labelworthy, uh, hateworthy. I mean, all of us have done something, or ethnic group, right. I should say, is, has done something that is like unexplainably, and, and, and you know, if we weren't Christians, unforgivable. Right, However. Right. Do I do, right? However, do I do I lump the entire race and say all of y'all are like that? That's, that's right. That's no, wrong. that's, that's but, you know, yeah. We can't the, do that. The fact that that even I, I mean the fact that people even think like that is, is insane. Because again, to be fair, we don't do that with the white culture. It's not like these white people do bad things and go, oh, look at these white people. They're all just crazy like that. Now. I don't know if any any black people look at white people like that, but I just I I I mean to me that just it doesn't even make sense at all. It really, it's clueless and it's 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 hurtful and and the word I used on Sunday, Jeremy was the was empathy, to take time and listen. And Axel said it great the best today in his his post. He mentioned uh, you know it's our time to listen, not lecture. I love that. Yeah, it's good. It's it's true. Listen, not lecture. You know, and it's true. We got to listen and we try to understand, you know, uh, uh, white, most white people have, all white people have not grown up experiencing life as a black man and woman and vice versa. <clears throat> and if we could just listen to each other and try to come on common ground and understand where, that we're coming at two different perspectives here. And I don't want you feel, I mean, again, I, Jeremy, I, I have to bring this back to the church. You know, I have somebody in who's been a victim of something for years and years and years of abuse 
I deal with them differently than I deal with maybe another member. That doesn't make them less valuable. That doesn't, you know, and when you have the black culture who's been dealing with this racism issue for ever, you know, and now you have some people, oh, just get over it. You know, just, I didn't do it to you, you know, so just get over it. Just get over it. It just doesn't work that way. You know what I'm saying? It just is not, it's just not the snap of the fingers and, and, and everything all of a sudden is good. You know, I, I believe most part, most part, you know, if, if you're good, and for me as a white person um, who I, I really, again, I see color. I see color in the sense of I see all God's beautiful colors and God made everybody beautiful. I don't look at any, anybody lower than me uh, because of any type of color. I don't look at anybody lower than me in general. And I think also that's the, the point, too, that I thought was really well put. I think it was actually by a sports guy, Chris Candy, over here in New York. You know, and uh, when you hear the response to white people, like trying to defend how they're not racist, um, I go, I have black friends, you know, and they could be right. That, that doesn't mean that you're racist. And, that's, and I understand why somebody would say that, because that's normally in a response to somebody trying to say you are a racist. But if you, if you right, understand right. The, 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 the road to it, right, you have, you know, the African-American culture from slavery and, and, and the white people were, were owners over them and would treat them like garbage. Then the next notch up was, oh, they're, they're still slaves, but they'll treat them nice. Then it's like the next notch up, it's, oh, they're friends of mine. They're acquaintances of mine. Then the next notch up, it's like, oh, they're nice. We could do the same stuff together. Then the next notch up is, no, we're dead equal. Like they have the same power, opportunity, or we're dead equal. I don't even have the right to say, oh, I'm friends with them. Like almost like, oh, I will allow that to take place. And I don't think, I don't think that people understand that transition like that in that type of, in that type of ladder, if that makes sense. No, no, it, it, it definitely makes sense, man. It definitely makes sense. So, yeah, you're, so I um, think the – go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that uh, um, I, I think I think that uh, – you know, I'm, I'm just excited to see everybody, you know, partnering and uniting all together. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful time, man. And um, one of the things I want to say uh, in regards to, you know, just kind of this whole conversation really quickly, to understand that we just – want to live man we you know are, let me just say it like this are there violent African Americans in the world absolutely are there violent Caucasians in the world absolutely are there violent Hispanics in the world absolutely and so is every other race but I can't make right. a blanket statement because of a few people I interacted with I've interacted with some, some uh, you know, Caucasians who tre- called me all types of words, uh, uh, treated me, you know, very poor. I mean, you know, blatant racism, a lot of hatred. But can I say, you know what? Every white person is lumped in that category, and and then treat everybody the same. That's that's not right. fair. That's not right. Um, I think you know one of the things I just want to say is that. We want to not only be heard, we want to understand. Here's the thing. We want to take care of our families. We want to be fathers to our children. We want to work. We want to, uh, 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 to have a place in society. We want to build businesses. 
We want to prosper. We want to leave a legacy. We want to do all of those things. We don't want to get drunk. We don't want to get high. We don't want to fornicate and have children out of wedlock and have a bunch of baby mamas. Listen, that, that is the narrative, but that's not the truth. We don't want to do that. And, 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 and so when you have media you know, uh, broadcasting this narrative so much that it makes people think that is the case when it's really not the case. And most of the people I know that's in a very impoverished urban setting really want to get out and do better. Some of them don't even know how. Some of them don't, have, don't, even, they don't even know where to start. And so they just do what they know to do and do what's in front of them, and that does not mean it's right. That's the same thing for people on the other side of the, uh, side of the fence who live in you know, uh, different communities, trailer parks, projects, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, uh, uh, that feel the same way. They do the exact same thing. <laughs> right, right. They do the same thing. They do the same thing. Yep. So, 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 you know, should we should we label a group of people because a few deadbeats, you know, on both sides yeah. of the spectrum? Absolutely not. We get to know people like Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King said, "I want to be judged by the content of my character." And not the color of my skin. That's right. what I think. I think that's how we all feel. Amen. And uh, listen, the last thing that I want, there's a couple, two things I want. Oh, we got another call here. Let's take let's take this call five seven one six five seven one six. I'm going to throw you on again. You're listening to Court Talk with Johnny and Jeremy. The guest call number is nine one four two zero five five six four seven. Again, number ending in five seven one six. You're on with John and Jeremy. Yeah. Hello. Hello. My name's Nathan in Orlando. I'm sitting. Hey, I just Nathan, how you? I was just uh, pretty good. I was just scanning through here, um, and and this is a sad thing we see going on out here. Uh, one, uh, your your co-host there just said something about all we want to do is be heard. You know, we all want to be heard. Uh, first, before I say anything, listen. If if you know if you're into hunting dogs, you know you keep you keep your dogs close to its its uh, its breed. Okay. But, but because that, that's what this dog's good at. If you you know you see this with dog people that fight dogs. But here's the thing: the master can do anything he wants to with his dogs. You know. But here's the thing: uh, God is the master of men. Okay. God is the master, and and He's never put anything on any one race over another one. He, he created all men equal. And and if someone wants, just everybody just needs to live their life and and leave people alone. And if you want to marry someone of another race, there's there's nothing in God's nature that says you can't do that. We need to, we're all human beings created in His image. We all originated from Adam and Eve, and we all yep. originated yep. from them with a sin nature. And and like your your partner said, there we need to be heard. We all need to be heard and understand where the other people are coming from and we've all been through every 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 race has experienced through history experienced slavery you know and and i I thank god that america starting in england first but in america we we ended the issue we ended the issue but but it's in humans human nature to just keep keep doing it and it's sad you know it's it really is well, well, thank you for the, the call tonight. And, you know, I, I think when you say that, though, we ended the issue, I think we ended the issue in a 
in, in one way, but I think the issue is extremely prevalent in many other ways here. And until we confront those issues and admit those issues are still open and available, then those issues are going to remain until the thing. And that's why I think the protests are happening. That's why I think the marching is taking place. Again, the pressure has got to be put until something changes. And then we can truly see, because you're right, all men are created equally in the eyes of God, no matter what your skin color is. But until every human being understands that in their heart and is willing to fight for that and come against anybody who would try to oppress anybody else because of their skin, it's an issue that will continually need to be addressed. Yeah, it's like the it's like the the, the statement, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, and then the All Lives Matter. You know, it's right. a statement to where people every time we make the statement Black Lives Matter, people will say, "Well, All Lives Matter." You know, we right. we know that all lives matter. The, the question is not a, we're not talking about all lives right now because if all lives matter, then all life would matter. But it's not the case. When a man can right. put his knee on the neck of a man for nine minutes, and I know people hate to hear this, but let's let me let me break it down as simple as I can using scripture. In Luke chapter uh, fifteen, Jesus makes a statement. He said, uh, and "Here's a scenario Jesus gives: a hundred sheep goes missing. Jesus has a hundred sheep, but one goes missing. Uh, Jesus leaves the ninety-nine sheep." And go after the one. The 99 tells Jesus, hey, Jesus, but, but what about us? Don't we matter? And, 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 of course, the 99 still matter, but the 99 are in danger. The one is. Right, right. The 99, the 99 are where they're supposed to be, but the one is the one that's gone astray, and the one is the one that we're chasing after. That life matters at this moment because that right. life is the one in danger. Not in the 99. Right. So we know that all lives matter. We're not talking about all lives. We're talking about the one that is in danger. That is black lives. Right. right. That, that, that's, that's really good. That's, that's really good. Let me flip the, the switch on the other side when we talk about black lives. That was the question I was going to before we just took that call. You know, I, I feel like a lot of white men are, they're, they're not anti, and it's in some cases, some white men. It's another angle on it are not anti the cause Black Lives Matter, but a lot of the Black Lives Matter has turned into a political stance, a far left stance that is contrary to what a lot of white men possibly believe even politically. But, um, and the reason why I bring that up, I'll give you an example. We were, I, I think I mentioned this last time, we were going to host an event called the Race to Hate a couple of years ago when we're watching men get shot in their cars. It, it was just dis- disgraceful. Um, a race to hate where we wanted to host a, um, an event, a community event. We were, I was going to bring in all different organizations that had, um, that had ways for people to get involved, to bring awareness and advocate um, for the black community. And we had a member of black lives matter um, who was a representative in the, for them in New York, as well as a couple others would not come to the church because I'm white. I'm a white leader. Which, for me, I don't care. But for a lot of people that were helping me, they were like, you got to be. You know what? And it turned them sour a little bit. 
you know, and that's because of almost the political angle on it. Like that, we don't want any help from white people. We get, we got this on our own. It was almost like the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the attitude that was dispensed, dispersed to us. So unfortunately the event never took place, but you know, there is that part of the black lives matter that is projected or portrayed out there, at least in the media aspect, that it does have some type of truth to it that I also think kind of pushes the different cultures away. No, it does. Um, I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to sit here and and lie and and pretend as if there isn't racism on the other side of the street because it is. Racism is racism. Hate is hate. You know. Uh, now, now for the most part, I won't say it's racism. I say mainly it's hate uh, uh, because right. because the oppressed can't be racist against the oppressor. They pretty much just hate the oppressors. So I won't, right. I won't say it's racism. I'm going to say it's a lot of hate which I think the African-American community needs to be honest with themselves and say that there's a lot of anger, bitterness, and hate because of what happened, and, and, and which, which, leads to, which leads to pushing away those who try to support and try to understand and say, well, y'all don't understand. Well, help me understand. I'm actually sitting here wanting to understand, and I, and I can't understand if you don't explain so, 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 you know, instead of just, you know, make it, you, using a cop-out, y'all will never understand, well, how about I sit down with you and explain to you so you can understand and have a conversation because I need your help. Two are better than one. So, so I, think, I think as a community we really need to, you know, uh, we really need to uh, wisen up uh, uh, and use our, our, uh, our anger and hatred and aim it at, at the right people and the right problem, because everyone is not the issue. Sometimes we can be our own issue because we stand in our own way at times. And so we really need to put our, put our, our, our focus towards the polls, man. And I'm going to continue to say that because the people in power that we, that we allow to be in power, either through not voting or voting them into a seat, you know, have the right to make laws and make, make, make uh, you know, create legislation that, that binds us instead of frees us, and especially we don't have any thought leaders in position that can help us. So, uh, 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 you know, I'm sorry that happened to you. Uh, uh, you know, it's not a representation of all of us, uh, but nevertheless, you know, I think I think the majority of us want to have these conversations and want to want to address the problem. Right, right. So we got a couple minutes here left, Jeremy. Uh, this is what I think would be really cool. I think I. I, I I think I'm going to make a statement to white people. You make a statement towards black people and then let's, and then let's come together because I think that's important to, 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 to do because, you know, to, to my white brothers and sisters, you know, there is injustice that's going on. There is hatred that's going on. That's leading to murders. That's leading to deaths. Uh, that's leading to people in our community that are living in fear to go to the grocery store, to get in their car, to go see their children. As Patricia said, when their kids leave the house and that cannot be a world that we're proud of. And that can't be a world that we live in. And although there are many good parts of life in the world, we need to show empathy right now to the black community and really understand what's going on. I understand that the looting and the rioting uh, scares you. I understand that what's portrayed makes it look like these things, that this is the heart of everything going on. But I want to say that it's not even a, any bit of the heart of what's going on. And although that is a separate issue, 
we really need to look at why these things and why the country has erupted in the first place. And that is to continue systemic racism that is causing the murders of black men and women across the United States of America. And it goes beyond just the stat. Even though if you equal out the stats to the same people, it's three times more for the black um, uh, a man or woman. But it's something that if the community feels this way, what are we as men, women, Christians going to do to extend the olive branch, to stand by their side, to fight next to them, to walk next to them, to know that we got their back too. We want the equality for them uh, as well too. We're here to listen. We're here to bring strength uh, to anything that we have. And I just think that's extremely important right now to kind of get off your high horse because you haven't experienced what they've experienced. I haven't experienced what they've experienced. Let's listen. It's important that we listen to one another and understand one another to the best that we can and fight for one another. So that would be my message to the, to the white uh, uh, brothers and sisters and into the uh, really quickly to the white leaders, get into shape, man, get snap out of it and stand up for justice. You are a man of God. You're a woman of God who claims to be a, 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 a person representing the kingdom of God. And Jesus wasn't into the cliques and the crowds. He was into truth, and it's the truth that sets you free. And Jesus died on the cross, not just for white people, but for all people, not just for men, but for women. He died for all creation on that cross. He resurrected. He overcame death to bring life to all men. And when we see our men, brothers and sisters, oppressed in any area, we need to fight beside them, including you, to whom much is given, much is required, is what the word of God says. And to my um, African-American brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, first of all, I love you. Your pain, your hurt, your, your, your uh, 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 fight is not going uh, uh, you know, unnoticed. Uh, it is drawing attention from around the globe. Uh, people in, in, in the U.K., in the Netherlands, in New Zealand, around the world are, are, are protesting because of this unjust uh, treatment that's been taking place. However, I want to also admonish you that we cannot use this time of un, uh, 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 that's that's happening to 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 uh, 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 make an excuse as to why we can't change the narrative about us. Uh, we need to change the narrative about us. The narrative that says we don't take care of our children. The narrative that says that we are prom- uh, promiscuous. That we are that we are, are, are drug addicts. That we are violent. That we are angry. Uh, the narrative that makes us seem incompetent and unintelligent. That narrative that's been that's been promoted that we're thugs and we're hoodlums and that we're ghetto. Uh, and, and that we that we don't read and we don't know how to save our money and and all these other different narratives that have been uh, portrayed for for years. We need to change the narrative and, uh, and really begin to really begin to engage society is with such force of intelligence or cooperation with those who are for us. There is a community of people who are for us, Caucasian, Hispanic, uh, 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 people from around the world who believe in our cause, and we need their help. Stop pushing away the hands of those who are, who, who are willing to help you. Let's have the conversation. When questions are asked, be willing to express uh, uh, express 
uh, yourself in an intelligent manner without the aggression, uh, without all of the, uh, you know, uh, extra emotion that comes along with it. Though, though it's hard not to be emotional, let's speak intelligently to the situation at hand and help those who want to help us understand why this is a big issue, why it's a big deal, and then, and then use all of, that, all of that emotion you feel to, to change things. Uh, go, go, go run for public office. Go, go, go start sitting and acquiring seats and different positions that help your neighborhood. Use the money that you would typically use to 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 uh, 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 do all type of extravagant things with use that to change the narrative, change the lives of our community, give back, build, start start organizations and businesses to educate uh, economic empowerment and different. And different and different avenues to where we can we can begin to really strengthen ourselves and bring other people outside, bring them in so that they can see and so that they can help. We are not alone. Stop acting like we are, because we are because we are not. We are not alone. God is for us. There are hundreds of millions of people who are for us. We're not in this fight by ourselves. Let's, let's link arms with people of other ethnicities, uh, people of other cultures, and let's begin to really work together as a family, as a race, the human race. That's what I want to say to you, and I want, I want to admonish you in that and encourage you that our best days are ahead of us. Amen. Awesome, bro. I mean, dude, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on with me tonight and and sharing your heart and, and talking about these topics and continuing to, to just stir the pot people a little bit here. Uh, I know we've got some fun coming up on Sunday, man. Why don't you tell everybody what we're doing? Yeah, so so uh, we're going to be live on, on Facebook Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. Uh, you can go to my website, uh, awclive.org. You can also go to my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Awakening Church, and also to my personal Facebook page, Dr. Jeremy Gibson. Uh, I'm going to have Apostle Johnny over on live with me to continue this discussion on Sunday morning. I know it is non-traditional to talk about this on a Sunday morning because everybody want to have encouragement and hope, but I feel like we need to deal with the topic at hand, and we're going to be talking about racial reconciliation, uh, you know, looking into my eyes. We're going to look into the eyes of people of different ethnicities, and, and we're going to really discuss and discover, you know, what it is to live and to walk in their shoes, but also how we can really bridge that gap. Because, because though it is a present concern, we need to talk about reconciliation. How do we reconcile and, and, and bridge the gap and work together towards a brighter future for our babies, our family, our children that have to grow up in this society. So I'm excited about it, uh, 2 o'clock Sunday morning, and, uh, uh, yeah, bro, let's go. Yeah, man, it's going to be awesome. People are going to be saved. People are going to be delivered. People are going to be healed. <laughs> and you can catch it all on the Sound of Heaven stuff, too. You can check us out on Facebook, uh, search Sound of Heaven, uh, facebook.com, backslash SOH Church. We'll stream it over to our website as well, SOH.Church. You'll be able to catch it there. And uh, that'll be 2 p.m. Eastern time, um, right after our church service. Uh, and I'm looking forward to getting with Apostle Jeremy face-to-face on Facebook Live. It's going to be great, man. But 
bro, thank you so much for joining me tonight, man. I truly, truly appreciate you uh, and your thoughts and, and taking the time out. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Hopefully we can get you on. We can just talk Bible stuff and doctrine stuff and all that stuff like that where, yeah. you know, we ain't going to be talking about. But, hey, if this is what we need to talk about in this hour, this is what we'll talk about in this hour. Yeah, I feel the same way, man. Maybe we can uh, – if we want to make people upset, we can talk about eschatology. I think that always <laughs> – Oh, <laughs> Yes. Oh yes, my <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Let's, let's, let's make more people, man. We'll just jump back and forth on racism and eschatology and see what happens. All right. <laughs> oh man, bro, I love you, man. Have a great night. Tell your wife and family I said hello, and uh, thank you everybody for listening to Car Talk. Make sure you download this, share it, find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate us five stars, and uh, God bless you all, Jeremy. Thanks again, brother. And uh, join us all next Thursday night for another edition of Core Talk. Thank you for listening to Core Talk with Johnny O. Please subscribe to and rate five stars, please. This podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to download our app, Sound of Heaven, in your iOS app store or Android marketplace. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to tell your friends.